0: Hey, welcome to uh, week number six in our series uh, that we're looking at the Beatitudes that Jesus gave. We're calling it the blessed life uh, because he starts every one of these mic drop statements, really, uh, by saying you're blessed. In other words, he, he says what blessed life really looks like uh, and it's very, very upside down thinking. is contrary to uh, the world or our current culture for sure and, and we're, we're learning an awful lot uh, about it. And, um, you, you know, I think especially this message that we're going to look at today, these words of Jesus, I I can't think of a more uh, timely message maybe that I've ever preached in 30 years as a pastor uh, than what we're going to look at today. I think it it may be the most important sermon I've ever given in in 30 years of being a pastor. Uh, Because these statements that Jesus is making, these aren't just suggestions they're actually describing what a real Christian looks like, the character of a real authentic Christian. I didn't say churchgoer. I I I didn't say someone who's very religious. Jesus is describing the inward character of a true genuine Christian that is supposed to come out in our relationship with others, we're going to see today when Jesus makes this statement. The first few statements just are about internal, the condition of our heart. This statement, this mic drop statement that Jesus is about to make, uh, really it is about how we treat other people, how we view other people. And, and remember, these statements are not to be, oh, I wish so-and-so heard this sermon. If you do that, that's, that's called pride, and that's not a genuine follower of Christ. We're supposed to apply these words of Jesus to ourselves, and, and see how we measure up to the measuring stick of what a true Christian is supposed to be. And that's why these are so important. They they remind us of our identity. Uh, as I've said in weeks past, this is like the some have referred to this as the Christian Constitution, the Constitution of Christianity. What it means to be a citizen. In the family of God and that's why these are so important kind of to go back to the basics and you know uh, it it really is totally topside down especially to our current culture today because our our current culture like says if you don't agree with everything that I feel you hate me Uh, and and or or if you don't see everything the way I do you're labeled as you know uh, a racist or intolerant or everything like that and it reminds me of like a, a school of piranha. In fact, I thought about maybe showing you a video of a school of piranha just just eating a cow, but I, I think you'd be so disturbed by that. Uh, but have you ever seen that like on a history, not history, like on Nat, Nat Geo or something? A school of piranha, they just devour it down to the bones. Just That's what our culture's like today. And yet Jesus says, genuine Christians, genuine followers of mine, their life is going to be completely different than that. Completely different than that. In fact, I want to read to you a, a statement, a, a, a little paragraph actually that I found in a book. I was doing some reading on the Sermon on the Mount. And, uh, and, and this is by it was written in 1959. Uh, it, it's actually during the, the Vietnam War era. And uh, of course the Korean War had just ended a few years before. And uh, this is written by D. Martin Lloyd Jones. Who it really his book uh, studies in the Sermon on the Mount is kind of like the magnum opus of uh, the, the understanding of what Jesus is talking about. Listen to what he says in 1959. It's remarkable as he's kind of just summarizing where they've been until he starts talking about this verse we're going to look at today, setting the table. He's talked about blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are they that mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's all we've talked about, we've covered all those in the past few weeks. And, and then he makes this statement. How are we reacting to these searching tests and these probings of Jesus' words? How how am I personally doing that? They really tell us everything about our Christian profession. And if I dislike this kind of thing, if I'm impatient with it, if I want instead to be talking about communism, fill in the blank there, socialism, politics, whatever you want today, if I'd rather be talking about some other hot potato issue in the culture, he says, if I dislike the personal analysis and the probing and the testing it simply means that my position is entirely contrary to that of new testament man but if i feel on the other hand that that though these things do search me and they hurt me these words of jesus nevertheless they are essentially good for me And if I feel it's good for me to be humbled and that it is a good thing for me to be held face to face with this mirror of the Beatitudes, Jesus' words here, let it be a mirror. We're not pointing the finger, we're pointing the thumb, not who needs to hear about it. God, show me my heart. He says this mirror, which not only shows me what I am, but what I am in light of God's pattern for a Christian man, how I measure up. Then I have a right to be hopeful about my state and condition. A man who is truly Christian, or person, not gender specific, a man who is truly Christian, as we've already seen, never objects to being humbled. Wow. Wow. How you doing looking in the mirror of these statements that Jesus says? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Are you poor in spirit? Blessed are they that mourn. Do you mourn over the condition of your heart? Your personal sin? Blessed are the meek. Do you have strength under control? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Is that your drive? Personal holiness? And then Jesus makes this statement. Talk about a mic drop statement. Matthew chapter five, verse three through seven. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Normally at this time, I would ask you to take out your Valley app. I'm not gonna ask you to do that anymore uh, because we're actually phasing out our, our Valley app. So everything is in one place. We have a brand new website. And on that, you'll see there's a, Uh, a little card at the bottom of the home page that says message notes, you click on that and uh, it's gonna have all the notes right there for you and you can add additional notes as well right there and it doesn't archive them but instead you can email them to yourself so you can have your own personal archive there the valley app's still going to work for your past notes we're just not going to be updating that any longer and it's actually a significant savings that we're going to have uh, as a result of that so go ahead and take out that sermon notes on the valley christian uh, valley ny.cc that's the website ValleyNY.cc, and you'll be able to follow along and and also take additional notes that are going to really help you I, th- I think there's going to be a lot today uh, to say the least Jesus says, Blessed are the merciful, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive, they'll be shown mercy. It's pretty interesting. This word blessed right here in the original language uh, of the New Testament, it's the Greek word, I haven't even talked about it much in the series yet. Uh, makeros, and, and what it means is to be happy, to be fortunate. It also means to be favored or envied. <laughs> How about that? Jesus says envied, you'll be envied if you're a merciful person. Why? Because you're going to receive mercy. You'll be shown mercy. See, Jesus is saying, you'll be happy, you'll be envied, you'll be favored. And he turns uh, the world system topside down. It's radical what he's talking about. He says, our happiness is based on how merciful we are. If you want to be happy, if you're not happy, then I would just ask you today, how is your mercy being measured out to others? How how, How much mercy are you doling out, dealing out to other people? Because the more merciful you are, Jesus says, the more happy you'll be. The more happy you'll be. Merciful people are happy people, and people who lack mercy lack happiness. Merciful people are happy people. And people who lack happiness, Jesus says, people who lack mercy lack happiness. And so today, during our time, I wanna share with you four, there's four questions, key questions, I think, when it comes to mercy that we need to ask ourselves to really understand what Jesus is talking about here in Matthew chapter five, uh, verse seven. And remember, these are these mic drop statements and then everything else, the Sermon on the Mount goes on, Matthew five, all of five, six, and seven. And he takes these statements and he further unpacks them. In fact, everything that Jesus preached and taught boils down to these statements, these beatitude statements. That's why it's so critical and important that we really take a look at them as a mirror and see what's really going on inside of us. Not not the person sitting next to me, not not my boss, not my spouse, not my children. What's going on inside of me right now? What's the condition of my personal heart? So four questions about mercy. Here's the first one. What does Jesus mean by merciful? I mean, if Jesus said you're going to be happy if you show mercy, what does he mean by being merciful? Blessed are the merciful. What does that really mean? Well, it's interesting uh, just to begin to explain what merciful is. Our, Our world says happiness is you get what you want. But Jesus says happiness is you give what others need. The world says you grab after power, you grab after possessions, you grab after money, you, you grab after fame. Jesus says none of those things are going to make you happy. That's not happiness. Happiness is you give what other people need. Boy, if, if, if there's not a pressing need right now in our country, in our culture, in our community, the need is for Mercy mercy see being merciful means loving God by loving people you're not supposed to love that's what merciful means loving God showing that you love God by loving people you're not supposed to love so, so let me ask you something how are you doing with those on the other political side of the aisle how much are you demonstrating Jesus is love to them in the way you talk In the way you reply, in the way you live your life, or are you more motivated politically than you are by the love of Jesus Christ? Oh, now you're meddling. Now you're meddling, Greg. No, Jesus is meddling. Jesus is meddling. Blessed are the merciful. Would those diametrically opposed to you on the political spectrum say, wow, there's one thing about him, there's one thing about her? They are so merciful they're so gracious and and you know we need to stop all this passive-aggressive stuff passive-aggressive where we don't really talk to someone when 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 they've done something wrong we just post something and hope they read it we we we, we just we're, we're afraid to confront to be honest to speak the truth That passive aggressive stuff. there's so much of that going on right now it's not mercy it's not love either Where do we ever get the idea that Christianity is about knowing doctrine, but it's not about loving people? Jesus never said, by this all men will know that you're my disciples by how accurate your doctrine is. No, he didn't say that. He said, by the love you have one for another. Could I put it this way? Mercy is love in action. Remember, these are the be attitudes. Be. So many times people ask me, what should I be doing? Shouldn't I do more? No, we should always be more. Be more merciful. Be more poor in spirit. Be more mournful about the condition of my heart. Be more meek. Religion says do. Jesus says be. It's about we're human beings not human doings are you becoming more like Jesus as we look at these beatitudes of what we're really supposed to live like what the character of our life and the condition of our hearts really supposed to be being merciful means every human being is my neighbor and I'm to love my neighbor as I love myself every human being God sees every human being as loved, as valuable and as redeemable and it cost him his son Jesus Christ. That's what being a follower of Christ means. Every single human being is made in the image of God and bears his image. That's why life is so valuable, so precious. So how can you transform the way that you see people to align with the way that God sees them? You know how? Being merciful be merciful, because that's how he is merciful with us. Here's the second question How, how does mercy respond to hostility? A lot of ho- there's a hostile environment today in our world. How does mercy respond to hostility? Is mercy out of date? Is mercy old-fashioned? Is Jesus' words, they're, they're too stale? That doesn't really matter anymore? Should we just throw out Jesus, throw out his words? He didn't mean that. Forget it. No, let's just do what everybody else is doing. Or did Jesus actually tell us how does mercy respond to hostility? Well, he did in the exact same sermon. How does mercy respond to hostility? Look at it just a few verses lower, Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 and 39 Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. Jesus is unpacking the previous statements, blessed are the merciful, they will receive. They'll be shown mercy. Jesus is saying, how are you merciful? How are you merciful? To someone who's hostile, you turn the other cheek. Jesus said that, not me. You turn the other cheek. Well, what does that really ultimately mean, turning the other cheek? Well, think about it. What is a cheek? Well, one, of, one of the main things that we do with a cheek is this. Oftentimes you go up and greet someone, not during COVID-19, you know, but, but old school, uh, pre-COVID, back in the good old days of like, January, February, uh, sometimes you'd kiss someone on the cheek. And, And so when Jesus says, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also, what he's literally saying there is that when someone does wrong, he's not saying you don't say that was wrong. He said, you approach them with such tenderness and mercy and gentleness and love that it's like you turn the other cheek and say, no, you're my friend. I know what you said. I know what you did. Instead of me being offended and doing something passive aggressive, which is ungodly and sinful, I'm gonna tell you, you know, that really hurt me and my relationship with you means so much because God loves you just as much as he loves me. And I think we can be better. And we approach with truth, season with grace and love, that person, and we win a friend. One moment they're slapping us on the cheek, and the next moment they're kissing our cheek as we turn our other cheek, and we've won a friend. Don't see a lot of that going on in our world today, do we? maybe it's because we're not the followers of Christ we're supposed to be. Blessed are the merciful. They'll be shown mercy. What's your default mode in your life? What's your approach when someone does you wrong? Or when someone does something that may even offend you? Is it to speak the truth in love to them? Turn the other cheek? Or is it retribution? I'll show them. I'll correct them. I'll make them see the error of their way. That's not Jesus. That's not the Holy Spirit inside. That, that's, that's flesh. That's not the kingdom of God at all. Have you seen this uh, happen a lot in your life? The people that hurt you, turn the other cheek. That should be our response, the merciful response in the middle of hostility that Jesus is teaching. Like I said, man, this is so practical for where we're living today. Here's the third question. What's the right attitude towards people who are wrong? What's the right attitude to people who are actually wrong? Jesus answers that as well as he unpacks, further unpacks in this same sermon. And man, I, I encourage you uh, every week, you know, I, again, read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It will not take long. It's one, one continuous sermon that Jesus gave. As he makes these statements at the beginning, the Beatitudes, this is who a follower of Christ is supposed to be by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he unpacks these statements and really the Beatitudes and he Applies them. He goes down deeper. He explains them further. And so that explains this next question. What's the right attitude towards people who are wrong? Matthew chapter 7, still in the beatitude, still in uh, Sermon on the Mount, he's unpacking it. He says, do not judge or you too will be judged. In the same way you judge others, you will be judged and with the same measure you use, it'll be measured to you. Does this sound familiar to anybody? He's actually tying it right back. Blessed are the merciful, they'll be shown mercy. With the same measurement of your mercy, God will show you mercy. We determine the measurement. Jesus is saying the same thing in a different way. That's why he's a master teacher, where he says, for in the same way you judge others, you'll be judged with the same measure you use. So so, so, judge not, it'll be measured back to you. So many times, you know, we're like, what's going on? Why, why are my relationships busting up? Why does it seem like I just don't connect with people? Why does it seem like, you know, I have a hard time with friendships and all? Maybe we're so in what we've reaped somewhere back before. Jesus says we determine it. Now, now, obviously, uh, when he says don't judge or you too will be judged, he's not talking about criticizing or, or critiquing something, um, you know, people do at times, they do have wrong beliefs. Maybe they have a, a, a wrong biblical understanding or don't have an understanding. They call themselves a Christian but have no real understanding of what that means based on uh, God's word in the Bible. Uh, maybe they have wrong practices, wrong ways of thinking. Uh, maybe they believe two different things that totally contradict one another. Does that mean like we never say anything, we never do anything? Judge not lest you be judged. It, it's impossible that, that it means don't criticize uh, because uh, if that was what judging meant, was criticizing, you'd probably have to throw out like two thirds of the Bible because God is saying this is the standard and this is what is expected. And so you'd have to throw out so much of the Bible. So obviously, it doesn't mean don't criticize, don't, don't critique. But again, it goes back to this whole idea judging is to give criticism without humility. Judging is to give criticism without mercy, without grace, without love. Judging is when we feel this emotion, this anger, and we just hit reply after we just flame person. That's judging. And Jesus says, the same measure you use. It's going to be measured out to you. So, so, so when someone's wrong, do we speak to them with tenderness and gentleness? Or do we just try to make a point and cut through and cut them down? You know, I, uh, when I was coaching, I remember one time, uh, to those that might not be aware, I coached High school football for twelve years, and, and one time during practice, got to talking, you know, with some of the players at kind of a down point, and, and some of the players, or three or four of them, they asked me, they're like, Coach Williams, how come you never raise your voice? All the other coaches, you know, they kind of yell, and, and we notice also you never swear. Why is that? And, and I asked them this question. I was like, Well, do you ever have a difficulty understanding the point I'm trying to make? And they're like, no. And I said, well, well, why do I need to scream? Why do I need to swear? Because really what's more important to me is you guys than the point I'm trying to make. The rapport and the relationship that I have with you. And they're like, huh. Huh. You know, one of my, my homiletics teacher in... in uh, In Bible college, he used to say this. Listen, he's talking to a room full of students that want to be preachers one day. He said, "If, if if you gotta scream, you don't really have anything to say. Wow. If you gotta holler, if you gotta swear, if you gotta snort, sneer, you don't have anything to say. When someone is wrong, you know, I just, I just want to be like, and I don't do it all the time. I, I I'm a man. I, I, I fail at this, but, but, I just always want to, I just always want people to like see that way that those players saw me. When when one makes a mistake, screws up, you know, I got a staff. I have people work for me. There's mistakes that are made, all that. What I always want is like, do you know what you did? Do you know why you did it? Let's make sure it doesn't happen again. Let's move on. That's mercy. That's mercy. I, I remember one time when our kids were younger, one of my daughters, Susie and I were talking about this, couldn't even remember what it was, but man, she messed up big. She messed up big. It was one of those like where you could just throw the book at you, know like you're grounded until like 2090 uh, kind of thing. And I, and I remember before Susie and I went in and talked to her, we just talked amongst ourselves, and, and we just felt like God was saying, show her mercy. Show her mercy. And she was wrong. Totally wrong. Nothing right about it. So we went into her room, and we said, well, listen, this is what you deserve based on what you did. But we're going to show you Mercy. Because God has shown us mercy and we didn't deserve mercy. I think that was a turning point right there for her. When we could have just disciplined her so badly during those teen years. We're going to show you mercy. Because God has shown us mercy. Punishment's what we deserved. Criticism is what we deserved. Discipline's what we deserved from God, but He showed us mercy. Jesus said, Blessed, happy, envied are the merciful. They'll be shown mercy. Here's the fourth question Why did mercy come to us? Why did mercy come to you and me? Mercy has a name, his name is Jesus. He showed us mercy. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 5. It says, "But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy." See, see, that's why it's so important that we're merciful because we look like him not when we're vengeful, not when we're retaliating, not when we're angry and screaming and mad. He's rich in mercy. He made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, we didn't deserve mercy. We didn't earn it. It is by grace you have been saved. Mercy. God is rich in mercy. Why did Jesus come to us? Why did we receive mercy? You know why? Because Jesus got none. That's why we receive mercy, because Jesus got none. He didn't get it from Pilate, he didn't get it from the crowd, not even from his heavenly father. Why, why are we going to be able to one day see God? Because he's pure. Do you know what that word pure means? We're going to talk about that next week. As Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart. They'll see God. Don't miss it. These mic drop statements are powerful. Pure means absolutely undivided, laser-focused. That's that's the idea of pure, laser-focused, And that's why one day we're going to see God because Jesus Christ was single-minded. He was laser-focused when he went to the cross. On the cross, he couldn't see anything else except what God wanted him to see. He couldn't see anything except paying the price for your personal sin and my personal sin, laying his life down as a sacrifice. He couldn't see anything on the cross. Jesus couldn't except for you and except for me. God created us so that he wants to groom you and I into a shape to become like Jesus. Mercy says, just like Jesus, I'm gonna enter into your mess. I'm not waiting for you to agree with me. I'm not waiting for you to see it my way. I'm not waiting for you to earn my love. But I'm gonna enter into your mess, and I'm gonna help you. And I'm going to give you a helping hand. Blessed are the merciful, for they'll receive mercy. Let me ask you a question. Are you merciful? See, mercy is God's compassion on people. That's what it means to be merciful. Especially, we need to especially be merciful to those that don't see things the way we do. If, if all we're doing, later on, Jesus talks about in the same sermon on the if all we do is love those who love us, who like us, who are on our side, have our opinion, he says even the pagans do that. You're not a follower of mine. You, you don't even know me. You're not a follower. Pagans do that. But we are to love our enemies. Oh, we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> Powerful. Man, God's word is so alive, so true. See, God's primary road to compassion is a bloody cross and an empty tomb. We deserved death. Jesus gave us life. That's mercy. We deserved eternal separation in hell. Jesus gave us eternal community in heaven. That's mercy. We deserve the consequences of our personal actions, our sin. Jesus gave us the consequences of his sinless life, his sacrificial death, and his resurrection from the dead. That's mercy. I think we need more uh, cross and empty tomb people. The more that our focus is there, on the mercy that God has given to us when we didn't deserve it, when we didn't agree with him, when we didn't have the same perspective, the same values, and yet he gave us mercy through his son Jesus. The more merciful that you and I become with those who don't agree with us, don't see it the way we do, even would be considered an enemy. Blessed are the merciful. They will be shown mercy. I think it'd be a good time to close this message now in prayer. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for how timely your word is. and Lord, I'm not overstating it. Lord, my my heart is just so broken by, by what's going on all around. Lord, I believe this, is, this may be the most important sermon I've preached in 30 years. Lord, your words, the words of Jesus are ringing in our ears, blessed are the merciful. They'll be shown mercy. Lord, I pray by your Holy Spirit, you would help us to see the measurement of our mercy, not not, not towards those who love us, not towards those who like us or agree with us. But Lord, how merciful are we to those who oppose us or oppose our perspective or oppose our opinions. Father, thank you for the mercy of Jesus Christ that through his sinless life and his sacrificial death and his resurrection from the dead, Lord, our sins are forgiven, not because we deserve it, but because of your mercy, your love in action. And Lord, forgive us. Forgive us, Lord, for being more worldly than Christ-like. Forgive us, Lord, for... Reacting out of offense instead of extending mercy. May your Holy Spirit transform our hearts, Lord, as they break before you. And we ask you to continue to mold us and shape us into the likeness of your Son who is merciful. Thank you, Lord. Right now with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want to give you an opportunity. If you've never taken that first step of faith to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, surrender your life to Him. I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can repeat after me. Just open your heart up to Him in this moment. The Bible says that if we declare with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. That's when we're born again. That's when we become new on the inside and he changes our life. If you've never prayed that prayer before, let me just invite you to repeat this prayer after me now and open your heart to him. Just pray with me now, Heavenly Father, Forgive me of my sin. I turn from my sin today. Jesus, thank you for living for me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising from the dead for me. Thank you for purchasing my forgiveness through your life, through your death, and through your resurrection. Thank you for your mercy. I ask you to lead me today. Guide me. Direct me. From this day forward. By your Holy Spirit. And I will follow you. Amen.